Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders from throughout the sports event industry. This is Matt Traub, Managing Editor of Sports Travel, and our guest today is Eddie Lewis, the founder and president of Toka Football. But before we begin, first a word from our sponsor. Athletes make the space even greater in Greater Ontario, a thoughtfully planned and competitive setting, both inside and out. The ultimate experience begins upon arrival to the Ontario Convention Center with the majestic and modern facade of the building. The ultra-contemporary design was thoughtfully planned to provide a welcoming setting with a fresh, open, and progressive vibe. The open, multi-level space offers a refreshing layout encompassing over 225,000 square feet of space, perfect for boxing, badminton, table tennis, wrestling, weightlifting, martial arts, dodgeball, indoor cricket, cheer, dance, and more. An expansive offering of outdoor space is also available for meeting and event purposes. The Greater Ontario Convention Center, the central hub of Southern California. To learn more, visit gocvb.org. And now, on to the conversation. Toka Football recently became the largest operator of indoor soccer centers in the United States after adding locations in Dallas, Cleveland, Nashville, Chicago, and Denver. In addition, the company has launched Toka Social, a soccer entertainment and dining venue in London, with plans to expand to additional two UK locations, as well as Dallas in 2023. Toka was founded in 2016 by two-time US World Cup and former MLS and English Premier League midfielder Eddie Lewis, building off a training idea that he developed during his professional career. Toka has recently announced a landmark investment from Premier League star and English national team captain Harry Kane, one of the world's most high-profile players. We talked with Eddie Lewis recently about how he developed the training concept that became the business now known as Toka, what its core training demographics are, how it plans to expand into the entertainment space, his professional career both in England and with the United States men's national team, and much more. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Eddie Lewis, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Toka Football is a business you founded in 2016. When you were developing this type of training concept to further your professional career, was there ever a moment to think about monetizing it into a business or did that come after you were done playing professionally? Yeah, I, I will say there was a moment. I was living in in Manchester at the time, playing professionally abroad and, you know, setting up my, my ball machine there in the, in the garage, doing my work and, you know, in this tiny little cramped space. And I, I think it was time to eat or something else. And my, my wife kind of peeked her head into the garage and, you know, saw me in this you know funny little setup, controlling all these balls everywhere. And I think at one point she just said, you know, kind of casually, but you, you know, at some point you're going to you're going to have to bring this to the rest of the soccer world right and and it was sort of a casual you know comment but it, it really that was the moment that kind of started getting me thinking about this is this is more than just you know a training opportunity for me and and really something that I'd like to bring to the rest of the world and you know me even make a career out of for sure Oka football you guys are the largest indoor soccer operator in North America you have plans to expand throughout this year is there a target demo that you look at these centers benefiting, whether it's younger players or specific markets? Or do you think, at least from the technical side of things, these types of centers can be for all ages? Yeah, well, I think it, it really comes down to kind of the programming you're, you're talking about, you know, for sure, specifically around TOCA training. You know, those technical development years are typically kind of that six to 
14 or 15 year year age group, which is our primary demographic from a from a TOCA training standpoint. But you know, we have kids programs in the morning that you know start from 18 months old up to three or four years old. Our evening leagues program, you know, they run the gamut from you know 18 all the way up to you know 50 and 60 year olds. So we really pride ourselves on being a you know really a sort of a soccer community center in many ways, depending on the programming you're interested in. But, you know, certainly from a technical development standpoint, a lot of our players, you know, are, are boys and girls between, you know, sort of six and, you know, 15 or 16. Beyond the training centers, Toka Social is a soccer entertainment concept for those who want to just have a night out with some friends. You plan to open three of those next year. What went into the planning to have this grow from the technical side of things to the entertainment side of things? Yeah, you know, and I, I think it was sort of it came about somewhat serendipitously, but obviously something we're we're really exciting uh, excited about the, you know, the the training side of the business happened to be as we developed it a, a really engaging experience at the same time. You know, so much so that oftentimes we'd get moms or dads or brothers or sisters or friends wanting to jump in at the end of sessions to you know take some reps or hit some volleys. You know, so I think that really kind of spawned the idea. And, you know, from there and, and, you know, given others examples of, of, you know, kind of entertainment type businesses, you know, or entertainment businesses around the world, you know, we quickly realized if we assembled a team and, and kind of really put our heads together, there was an opportunity to create uh, an amazing experience around the sport that, that no one's ever seen before. And I think, you know, we've only, we've only opened one, but I, I, I will say we're really proud of, of what's been accomplished in in London and and certainly set the stage for you know massive growth growth in that business. Do you see or hope the idea for Tokel for Tokus Social could grow into almost like a Top Golf style expansion? And what was the reaction? You mentioned the one that you have open right now over in England. What was the reaction like when you first opened it? And how has that been progressing? Is it in line with what your expectations were or even exceeded it? Yeah, certainly. Um, and, and, and to your point, it's, it's, it's definitely exceeded it. You know, you never really know with such a brand new concept, you know, how it's going to be perceived and, you know, really what, what the opportunity was. England is, is obviously a, you know, a mad football culture. And, you know, we know that the, the sport is, is, is a big part of people's lives, but how it impacts our lives can be, can be different. Right. And this was a totally new concept, but I think given the fact that it was a really engaging experience to start with, and we developed a, a fabulous kind of F&B concept around it, those two things that, you know, we certainly thought on paper made a lot of sense, you know, really customers in, in the UK have, have responded, you know, very, very well to. And I think so well that we're, as we look to expand this, you know, we really aren't thinking about, you know, wanting to change too much in different markets because, you know, we think it's such a, a universal concept and opportunity that'll that'll translate across you know multiple countries and, and and demographics. Between the growth of the training centers and the start of the growth into the Toka social venues, what type of business crash course has this been for you? Or is it something that you always felt would be the national progression at the end of your playing career? Crash course is probably a, a great way to to actually describe it. You know, certainly going from being a professional you know, footballer or soccer player directly into, you know, kind of inventor and, and entrepreneur and, and in, in the startup world was, 
very challenging in, in, in many ways, but at the same time, you know, I did always feel like, you know, I wanted to have an impact on, on the biggest sport in the world. And, and there was this concept that I believe, you know, could, and could make a, a major dent, you know? And, and so I think my goals were certainly always lofty, but getting there from, from becoming a professional soccer player has been, you know, a huge challenge. And I'm just very fortunate to have surrounded myself with, you know, some fantastic talent and, and, and investment to, you know, help get us where we are today. Do you think having North America hosting the 2026 World Cup could lead to extra exposure in your own business model between the training sites and the entertainment value venues that you plan to use as part of your business's expansion? Yeah, I, I think without a doubt, 2026 is going to bring, you know, much like 94 and, and probably in, a, in, a, in an even greater way, just huge exposure, you know, to the sport in, in North America. And then really anything that, that touches soccer is going to get, you know, probably a, a, a good lift from that, you know, and I think we're definitely positioning ourselves for that and for that opportunity because, you know, we think we can, you know, attract both from a from a training standpoint and certainly from a from a fandom standpoint, you know, a huge, huge audience and, you know, either introduce them to a sport or give them the opportunity to really extend that relationship to, you know, in a sport they already love. Speaking of the World Cup, it was 20 years ago this summer that the U.S. men's national team reached the quarterfinals in South Korea and Japan, highlighted by your assist to Landon Donovan and the historic 2-0 win over Mexico. Does that seem long ago or does it seem like just yesterday? Yeah, you know, it, it, in some ways it it feels like, you know, kind of in yet yesterday and in other ways. And um, I was actually just giving a a talk at a, uh, a a group of, you know, kind of very young, you know, kind of high schooler professionals or and leaders talking about that day was um, before any of these kids were even born. So, you know, at that moment, it certainly felt like it was, it was a long time ago. So, you know, I guess, depending on the the conversation, but certainly great memories and, and something that, you know, I enjoy reliving on a, on a regular basis, for sure. You're listening to the Sports Travel Podcast. Athletes make the space even greater in Greater Ontario, a thoughtfully planned and competitive setting, both inside and out. The ultimate experience begins upon arrival to the Ontario Convention Center with the majestic and modern facade of the building. The ultra-contemporary design was thoughtfully planned to provide a welcoming setting with a fresh, open, and progressive vibe. The open, multi-level space offers a refreshing layout encompassing over 225,000 square feet of space, perfect for boxing, badminton, table tennis, wrestling, weightlifting, martial arts, dodgeball, indoor cricket, cheer, dance, and more. An expansive offering of outdoor space is also available for meeting and event purposes. The Greater Ontario Convention Center, the central hub of Southern California. To learn more, visit gocvb.org. And now, back to the episode. You were part of two FIFA World Cups. You scored 10 goals for the national team overall. Is 2002 the highlight, or is there another game or another tournament that stands out more when it comes to your national team career? Uh, Certainly, there were... um you know, there were big kind of moments and, and, and milestones along the way. I think 2002 will always be, you know, probably the highlight, you know, not so much at a, on, on, on a personal level, even though playing and, and contributing the, in those games was, was certainly a personal highlight, but the overall impact we were able to kind of have on the sport back home and, and really, you know, in Europe in particular, you know, that was really the start of Americans getting more and more opportunities to play abroad. You know, that was us sort of establishing ourselves as a, as a real soccer nation, you know, in, in, uh, to a certain extent. So I think 
you know, the, the impact we had there for all of these generations, you know, coming up was, uh, I think, really important and certainly something I'm, I'm proud to have been a part of for sure. Beyond your time on the national team, on the club side of your career, one of your former clubs in England leads secured survival in the Premier League on the final day. It's led by a fellow American and Jesse Marsh. You played for four clubs overall in England. Do you follow all of them still? Or is there one that you identify with more strongly than the other, whether it be Leeds or some other club? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I definitely keep tabs on all of them. Really, you know, excited to see Fulham do so well this year and get back into the Premier League. But uh, as you say, you know, Leeds just in different ways really captured both mine and my my family's heart while we were there. We met a lot of really great people. You know, I loved the fans and the, and the culture and, and everything around that team. So that that's probably the, the team we, you know, probably support the most, I guess, if, if I had to choose one, the fact that Jesse's there, I'm really excited about. And, you know, this, this last run to, to stay in the Premier League is, is challenging for any manager and, and probably doesn't give you the opportunity to play, you know, exactly the type of football that you'd, you'd like to, but was really happy that they were able to secure, you know, safety and and looking forward to what he's going to do, you know, in the coming seasons. I know he's been really well received by the fans there, obviously as a fellow American and, and certainly as those guys are moving more and more into that management realm, you know, it's, uh, uh, I think we're all rooting for him and, and, you know, hope he can continue to pave the way for, for future managers, you know, in the biggest league in the world. You mentioned how the World Cup also brought a lot of playing opportunities for you guys. You mentioned Jesse, one of the few American managers that is in Europe. For those who have not experienced it, is there any way that you can describe uh, being an American going abroad and just the difficulties or any preconceived notions that people may have, at least in when during the time that you were a professional and what an American plays, how an American plays or what an American thinks of soccer? Yeah. And I think that's, that was a, a huge challenge and, and to a certain degree, probably still, still is, you know, for, for some of the Americans going abroad, certainly during, during our time, there was very much, you know, a preconceived notion of, of what an American was from a, from a soccer or football standpoint. In, in fact, I had one manager who was, you know, very just straightforward and said, you know, you're probably not going to play much because you are an American and, you know, you don't, you don't know how to play the football we're trying to play. And, I found that, you know, obviously challenging and, and, and disappointing, but everything around just being a foreigner in general, you know, is, was, you know, difficult at times, but at the same time, you know, a, a real opportunity and a challenge, you know, I loved it the same way I found it, you know, really challenging. And I think, you know, not just by myself, but a number of guys in my generation were able to break down some of those barriers and, and certainly move the ball forward you know, in that respect as, as an American playing abroad and, you know, something I'd, I'd never change for sure. You played professionally for 14 years overall. You started in Major League Soccer with the San Jose Clash. You were a substitute in the inaugural game of MLS. And then after you were your time in Europe, you ended your career back in MLS with the Los Angeles Galaxy. From the inaugural game in MLS to now, when you watch MLS, is the league recognizable in any way, shape or form? Yeah, no, it's certainly... To today, you know the 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 league is is grown enormously. You know, I, I I'd say, and and I'm very proud to have been part of that inaugural game. But they, you know, I would say for the first ten or, or you know even fifteen years, there was growth, and and it you know it did get incrementally better. You know, each year, 
But I would say, you know, probably in the last six or seven years, you know, the, the league has really started to, to take off in terms of both its quality of the product, you know, on the field, uh, the experience off the field, um, you know, from an awareness standpoint, you have this generation of kids now that have really grown up with the ability to, to watch professional, you know, soccer, to be a part of it. You know, the coaching is, is so much better now. And, you know, I really think we're at the start of, you know, this, this wave of acceleration, um, from an American soccer standpoint, that's gonna, you know, really sort of exponentially, hopefully take us to the, to the next level. Mention that you played for two teams in MLS in San Jose and LA who have a very good rivalry and a long, a long time rivalry. When those, when those teams play or next year, when Leeds and Fulham, two of the clubs you play for in England, when they meet in the Premier League, as a fan, what is that like when you're, when you're watching a game between two clubs that you both played for? It, it is, it is difficult, you know, for sure. I think in, in most cases, I, I just, I want each of those clubs to do well. I think anytime any of them are playing leads, I'm probably going to root for leads just because, um, but, you know, in general, you know, because I'm not there and, and consistently going to games or, you know, spending a lot of time with fans, it's just a, it's kind of a natural sort of disassociation to a certain extent that you kind of have to accept as you, as you move back, you know, or, or being in America, but, you know, deep down, there's such fond memories at, at each of those clubs. And, you know, I think they, they did so much for, you know, both myself and, and my family living abroad and, and everything else that, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm always rooting for them in, in some capacity, but as you say, you know, Leeds is the one that still, you know, still captures my heart the most. Circling back to the Toka trainer and now the plans for Toka social. Did you think when you started this years ago that it would grow to the point that you are at now? And how big do you hope this can become between the technical and social venues combined? Yeah. You know, as, as I said, in some ways, I, I, I did feel strongly that I wanted to, you know, to make an impact on, on the biggest sport in the world. But, you know, today, as an example, recently as in, in one of our board updates, you know, we, we have now, you know, created and, you know, we're writing paychecks to over 900 people, you know, and, and things like that, I think sometimes really kind of catch me off guard and, and suddenly make me very proud of, of the fact that, you know, not only did we start a business and, you know, or making money for shareholders, but are, you know, also, you know, creating jobs and, and giving people the opportunity to um, pursue a career surrounding a sport that they love, which there, there aren't a ton of those opportunities. So, you know, things like that, I think are, you know, just huge wins for, you know, not only myself, but for, for the company in general. And there are really, as, as I, I look at it more and more opportunities to kind of tap into the soccer culture and give them either an experience or, or an opportunity around the sport that maybe they haven't had in the past, but as I say, extends their relationship with, you know, this game that we all, that we all love. Well, Eddie, I know that there's big plans this year and in the years down the line for Toka, both as training and technical centers and also as social entertainment venues. Best of luck with that. And thank you for joining us today on the Sports Travel Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. And um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun couple of years for sure. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com. 
at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Matt Trout for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.